Hi everyone, and welcome to the Cute Monster Show. I'm your host, Vincent Daly. On today's episode, I'll be speaking with Dr. Lynn Kenny. Dr. Kenny is a Harvard-trained psychologist, mother of two, an international educator, and a pediatric psychologist. She is co-author with Wendy Young of Bloom, 50 Things to Say, Think, and Do with Anxious, Angry, and Over-the-Top Kids, and author of The Family Coach Method. Now let's get on with the show. Hi, Dr. Lynn Kenny, and welcome to the Cute Monster Show. How's it going? Oh, it's great to be with you today, Vince. I'm thankful to have you on the show. I mean, I think you are a tremendous resource for parents seeking insight about raising children. Well, it's my honor. As you know, being that you are a parent yourself, <laughs> being a parent is challenging. You're a human being with all the emotional frailties that entails. So if you have kids and they act stressed out or are anxious, it's difficult to not jump into the fray emotionally yourself. Now, I'm a, a Star Trek fan. I don't know if you know that, but I love Star Trek and I try to channel Mr. Spock in the sense that I assess the situation and I try to remain emotionally detached. Yet, given that I'm not actually a Vulcan, that approach doesn't always work. But at least I think it puts me in a position to handle an unexpected event. Which leads me to the topic I'd love for you to address. On your website, you posted 15 things to say to help an anxious child find calm. I found all this to be really useful, not just for kids, but for adults too. And I was hoping I could read a few of these sayings to you and you could elaborate for our listeners. That sounds lovely. Perfect. Anxiety is a warning system that something doesn't feel right. Let's be a detective and discover what that might be. Well, you've already said two important things. You started with, you know, that as a parent, you try to find calm. Uh, we know from the literature that we co-regulate with our children. So the more stable and calm we can be, then the better we can help them. Then the next thing is that we want our children to understand that feeling anxious is okay. Every feeling is okay. When we have anxiety, it's, it's a warning sign that things don't feel right. And we want to trust our gut and we want to trust our heart. When we feel anxious, it's telling us, hmm, something is not working here. Now, usually what's going on is that whatever the task demand is, Vince, exceeds our skill sets. So whether that's a perception that our that we're facing something too difficult or whether it's a reality, both matter in the same way. And if we can help our children to um, be allowed to have their feelings and then become detectives in order to understand what's making them feel anxious, then we can help them be more skillful and masterful. I really love the idea of being a detective because it's very active in its approach. Do you think it could be used by parents with kids as a sort of game to help them become more mindful and self-aware? Yeah, it's a beautiful idea. I mean, we know that, you know, children learn when we're connected and engaged and when we're playful. So, you know, when you kind of anoint a child as a cognitive scientist or as a detective, then it, it allows them to put their anxiety kind of outside of themselves and examine it. I like to like pretend to put anxiety on the table and look at it from all different directions. What does it look like? What circumstances make us anxious? Where do we feel the anxiety in our bodies? What do we think about when we're feeling anxious? So allowing the child to be a cognitive scientist or a detective lets them examine it in a more neutral, less fearful way. 
let's choose a mantra to use if you get worried or anxious today. Now, what do you mean by that? I just have found for 20 years that mantras are really helpful. So a mantra basically is any sentence that you use in order to suit a specific purpose. So with anxiety, you can have mantras that are designed to calm you down. As an example, um, you could have a mantra that is simply about understanding. So something like, um, I'm I'm feeling anxious. I acknowledge my anxiety, and um, I'm going to find calm. Or you could say something like, if you're feeling anxious and your heart is palpitating, or you're you know becoming sweaty or nervous, you could say something like, I'll breathe deeply and feel calm. So mantras are basically kind of these cognitive tools that allow you to take action in a useful way. When you talk about tools, often it's figuratively, but are there tools you can use literally to help a child calm down? There are lots of physiological tools we can use as children and adults in order to calm ourselves. Because as an example, if we activate the vagal system, that can assist us in calming. So, you know, people always say, take a deep breath. Well, taking really deep breaths and letting them out slowly actually activates the vagal system and does allow you to calm. Humming is calming. Chanting is calming. Singing can be calming. And then you can move into the vestibular system and use rocking or swaying. Um, I mean, think about it. When our children are young and they're distressed, we take them in their ar- our arms and we just rock back and forth. That's very calming. Another tool that I use all the time with children is bouncing balls. You just get a big, like... Um, eight-inch playground ball or a racket ball and bounce it in front of yourself or to the side of yourself or bounce it in a V, um, which is actually an activity in our 70 Play Activities book. You just bounce it back really. And the key, Vince, is to be able to slow yourself down because anxiety is a heightened arousal state. So we are always teaching the children not only these physiological activities, but we're teaching them the felt difference between moving quickly and moving slowly. What tools would you recommend parents use if they are not at home or at a playground, but rather they are in a car on a very long car ride? Well, we mentioned the vagal and the vestibular system, and now we can move to the auditory system because the research tells us that when you listen to music you like, you generally calm your system down. So everybody likes different kinds of music. You can use, use every, or even sound. You can use everything from white noise to waves. You can use uh, classical music or piano music. Some people like listening to guitar music. You might even like rock music or pop music and find that calming and soothing. But essentially, you know, making use of that vestibular system with high quality headphones, if you can, that go over your ears is a great way to calm yourself. You mentioned in your list that anxiety is not mysterious. It comes when we have too much to handle. How do we find that fine line between uh, your normal everyday stress levels, which come, you know, for whatever reason, homework, uh, too much work, just stuff going on, versus going over the edge of that line? How, how do we reel that in so it's manageable? Well, that's a lovely question because 
First, we really want to help children identify that they're feeling anxious, and we want them to embrace it, accept it, and respect it. Then we want them to understand that, you know, again, anxiety is simply heightened arousal. So if we can learn to calm ourselves, especially with a pre-planned strategy, um, a set of strategies I didn't um, talk about yet is wrapping yourself. If you just took your arms right now in front of your body and crossed them across your shoulders and put your elbows down in a relaxed way on your chest and just press gently on your shoulders, that's really calming. Taking a blanket and putting it underneath your arms around your whole body, that's calming. Sometimes putting the blanket over your head, like I'm imagining a a child in a car seat um, from the back so they can breathe just fine. You just pull it a little bit over their head and make a little cocoon. We've made nests for children before in their car seats. Um, So, you know, basically when you Enhance a child's awareness and then give them the ability to slow themselves down and use either a cognitive strategy like a mantra or a physiological strategy like we've talked about. Then you're empowering them to control their arousal patterns instead of having their body run away with them. If you are in a situation as a parent and say you are working at home, for example, and your, your attention is divided. Uh, so what do you think a parent can do to mediate that sort of situation if you have a child that's showing signs of anxiety? And your home, so are they, are they coming into your space and needing you to, to co-regulate and calm with them? Yeah, so I mean, I, the idea, I, I take it, is to be as mindful as you can of children's feelings, their activities, etc., so you can spot ahead of time before they escalate into a situation which could be a crisis for everyone involved. So I was wondering if there is a a tactic that you could suggest to a working parent at home that might have to look after a child but also focus on work at the same Mm -hmm. time. How how can Mm -hmm. you find that balance? Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting because um, I think the first thing that we want to do is welcome our children with open arms. So instead of it, you know, if, if you're, let's say we're on this podcast and my child comes to the door and needs me, what I want to do is have a kind of a pre-planned signal with my child that says, I'm working, but I'll be available to you in just one moment so that you're not, because if you just reject them, you're going to heighten their anxiety. So one, when they come to you, you want to have some sort of signal or, or facial acknowledgement or smile or, or maybe a hand signal that says, I understand that you're needing me to help you, and I'll be able to help you in a moment. Then you actually want to help them in a timely manner. And then in the future, what you want to do is plan with them some strategies that they can do when they're feeling like they need you to be their brain so that they've got this moment of transition where they're better able to handle themselves. As an example, um, if my child were eight years old and came to the door and I was having this podcast with you, I might signal to them to rock back and forth, or I might signal to them to go get their ball and bounce it, or I might signal to them to put their music on. Because eventually, you know, essentially, initially, you're 
the child's brain, and then you co-regulate with the child, and then eventually you want the skills within the child. So we don't want to always rescue our children. We want to be available to them and then slowly be teaching them the skills and encouraging them to use the skills in a really calm, loving way. So it seems the, the crux of the matter is you have to find success in establishing these routines and these tools and everything that you had mentioned ahead of time so it could work swimmingly. It won't always work perfectly. There are variables that will come into play, but at the very least you have that set of tools that you discussed available and you both can agree upon to hopefully make it a more easy situation. That's exactly so. You want, exactly, you want to pre-plan whatever strategies you can, and you want to have what I, what I call on-the-spot strategies, things that a child can use quickly. I mean, you could be just, as an example, rocking back and forth on your feet or doing deep knee bends or walking backwards. It's called retro-walking. Walking backwards can be very calming. Um, but what I find is that when our children are really intense and really anxious, and they basically say to us, will you hold my anxiety? Sometimes if we're not prepared for that, we join their anxiety instead of holding it for them. So we've got to be prepared not to allow our own alerting system to go haywire when they come in intensely or they come through the door or, you know, you know what I'm saying, Vince? You know, yes. when a child is upset, you get a, you've just got to say, listen, I'm here to help him internalize skills. So I'm not going to join his anxiety. I'm going to help him to calm his anxiety or his arousal. So how do you think a parent should approach this topic in terms of uh, addressing anxiety for him or herself? I mean, if you have to uh, establish these tools for your child, you have to sort of learn them yourself. So what kind of preparation do you think would be involved before actually trying to utilize them with your children? I mean, is this something that your partner should work with you, your, your wife or your husband, etc., to finally, you know, somehow establish what to do? Well, it, it's a, that's a really great question, too, because identifying your own arousal, you know, what we're talking about really is self-regulation, and self-regulation is the ability to manage your arousal levels throughout the day. And even though you've only been up for a few hours, I'm sure that you've had, you know, you're on a little bit of a roller coaster throughout the day. That's normal, right? You know, you get your coffee and it spills and, you know, your kids are late and you're all running out the door. So we have to recognize that our arousal patterns are going up and down all day long. And first, when we're mindfully aware and we recognize this little roller coaster, then we're empowered to make shifts, right? So one is recognizing your own patterns. Two is learning how to slow down yourself. Um, the other day, I, I work in a studio and I've got these big lights and, one, and they're hot and one of them fell like toward my computer. And I actually, in musical thinking, we have slow-mo and quick rick and slow-mo moves at really slowly at about 50 beats per minute. And I actually, as I was picking up this really hot light, was actually saying to myself inside my brain, slow-mo, slow-mo. And I just, I, I just caught myself almost unconsciously picking up the light and putting the cover back on it really slowly and calmly. And then the, the emergency was over and nothing got burned. The light still worked. And that's just a, a silly little example, but we have examples like that throughout our days. So one is have some, have mindful awareness. And then two, respond in a slow, calm manner. And it's just such a great skill to have because then 
the the upset of the moment is over really quickly instead of it having you escalate further into your day. I think it's fantastic. Extremely useful, especially as a new parent, for example. Can I tell you a skill that I learned from Nacho Armani that you just reminded me of? Please. You're, you're, I think you'll enjoy this. So basically, um, Nacho Armani is uh, a musician. He wrote the In Time program with Advanced Brain Technologies, Alex Doman and Sheila Allen. And he, I always, in our work, we move in four counts, generally speaking, like in musical thinking and these different things. But he taught me that when you move in three fives and nines, it's actually very calming. So as an example, if you just stood up, let's say you're on a stressful phone call and you just stood up, which I'm now doing, and you just started marching in patterns, let's say of three, you would go uh, right, left, right, pause, left, right, left, pause. And when you move in threes, fives, sevens, and nines, they're very calming to your system. So what, what we do now, if we get, like, let's say I'm going to work with a child in a school, and it's been very noisy. They're, let's say they're coming out of the lunchroom. They're all hyper aroused. I'll simply move through just a few little Tai Chi moves. I mean, I'm talking for a matter of seconds, 10, 15 seconds, slowly in threes, you know, like a step and a sweep, one, two, three on one side, then one, two, three on the other side. And I could imagine, Vince, that when your child is stressed out, you could be doing this in a mirror-like pattern, be it small Tai Chi movements, a big sun salutation, which is a yoga movement, and just be counting one, two, three, or one, two, three, four, five. That is a wonderful strategy that Nacho taught me that I think that everybody who's listening uh, could really enjoy with their children. Well, I wanted to ask you, since I have you on the show, do you have any upcoming projects you'd like our audience to know about? Oh, yeah. We, well, you know, we published three books in the last two years, and we have um, our kindness curriculum, um, uh, Bloom Your Room, is going to come out in probably three different books. There'll be printable pages that teachers can use in classrooms, and the first one will be Teacher Tips and Kids Tips, which will come out in 2017. And then all of this kind of cognitive exercise, um, thinking and self-regulation skills using um, movement and music. Uh, we're working on some projects for that too. It's, it's very fun. I love this work. I love that neuroscience and education has evolved to a place where we can actually change the trajectory of a child's learning and behavior by teaching some of this um, you know, music-based movement to them. Well, thank you, Dr. Lynn Kenny, for joining me today on the Cute Monster Show. It was a pleasure talking to you today, and I hope to speak with you again soon. My my honor. Have a beautiful day, everyone. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Until next time, I'm Vincent Daly, and this is the Cute Monster Show, signing off. <laughs>